DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. It's time now to talk baseball and World Series with the former Atlanta Brave, Dale Murphy. He joins us on the T-Mobile special guest line. T-Mobile and Sprint coming together to build the best wireless company around. Visit T-Mobile.com for online services and local store availability. Dale, good morning. Good morning, DJ. Hey, PK, how are you doing? Good, Dale. Good to talk to you. Thanks for having me on. Uh, rough night for us. So, as you go back and replay this, is there anything you'd change? Is there anything you'd do different? Is there, okay, one pitch to Bellinger, you definitely changed that. I I was curious about the way they handled the starting pitchers, or as PK called them, the opening pitchers. Not that PK developed that term solely on his own, obviously. But both the starters were out by the fourth inning. And there's no real outcry to that. We all just accept that in a game seven when there are no days off in a playoff series. Yeah, it's uh, it's that theory in game seven that everybody's got a short leash, and uh, I think the I I I, I would have well in hindsight for the Dodgers, I would have started that. I I know their theory with what's his, I think his name is is Gonsolin. Yeah. Um, uh, they started May, and I was like. Mm, that's interesting. He gave up two runs. Then they brought in um, Gonsolin and said, well, that was our, our theory was something about him going through the lineup twice. They didn't want him to do that. So they tried. So anyway, uh, I thought that was an interesting move because usually you go with your best pitcher and just try to shut him out as long as possible. So they spotted the Braves two runs. Um, and uh, Ian Anderson, you know, he hadn't given up a run in the postseason he is not only a rookie but it just happened like six weeks ago or something like that got called up i think maybe us braves fans felt so confident in a young kid that uh you know he pitched pretty well but i think everybody is just kind of like really nervous especially in game seven of everybody going through the lineup a couple times so you know they got quick hooks and uh uh i don't know the 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 the, uh dodgers are you know, I think you just got to admit they're a deeper, deeper, slightly better team. Uh, maybe, maybe a lot better, but they're just a really good team. And I did feel really confident though going into last night. I just felt good. You talked about Ian Anderson being 22. That's one of the things that has really impressed me throughout the playoffs, man. So many of these guys that you consider young pups doing well and getting the ball in these big-time situations. The Braves have got two or three guys that are under 25. You can throw in uh, Kyle Wright and Wilson, and you look at these pitchers that it just seems to me that they should need more experience, you know, maybe like a Charlie Morton who's, uh, I think, 36, 37. Yeah, I expect him to pitch well. How surprised are you able to – how surprised are you when you look at some of these kids that are so young being in these situations and looking like they're pretty doggone good? Well, they they are they they are really good. They are really young, and I think it's it's like I said, we just expect so much out of them because they they Max Fried, you know, is was just incredible all year. Uh, didn't quite have his curveball in his last start against the Dodgers, and then they got Soroka, uh, you know, PK uh, coming back next year, who was a Cy Young candidate last yep. year. So they they got. Uh, Three to four, their their pitching is solid. Really, they got a really good, solid team. 
Um, I think it's just expectations. And you bring up a guy like Charlie Morton, and uh, it's a great example. The, the, this is their first time going through this kind of uh, experience. Um, they're going to be back. I think we're all optimistic about that because they are so young. But, yeah, you just you expect so much out of them, and you just kind of got to take a step back and say, look, they took a great first step, and they've been in the, you know, they've, they've got a taste of it. And you're going to have some, maybe a few of these guys in a few years, you're going to look back and say they're pitching like a Charlie Morton. You know, they've got experience. They know how to control the nerves, uh, know what to do if your breaking ball isn't, you know, there that night. Their control will be just a little bit better. Everything will be better. And uh, I think as a as a fan now as a team, man, I just I had high such high expectations. I really, really last night I thought Ian Anderson would continue to do what he did. And uh, although he pitched well, you just you kind of kind of step back and say, man, he's just a kid. Just got called up. That's a, a lot to put on a kid. So you got these kids and all this youthful enthusiasm, but even though it's a big homer, popping your shoulder out. Come on, you're, you're old school, Dale. You wouldn't have done that, right? That's right. That's, that's exactly right. That's why we did that. We were afraid to get hurt. We were cautious. That's why we didn't celebrate so much. I always say there's a couple things that uh, I wouldn't fit in too well in this generation. I can't grow a beard, and, and they have too much fun. But, uh, you know, I love the enthusiasm, and that. but that was a weird – it'll be interesting to see how bad that was with Bellinger. Um it, uh, it, it's, you know, I think guys are jumping off the rail on, on the, by the dugout celebrating. Someone's going <laughs> to turn an ankle. You know, I feel like, uh, I feel like my mom and dad, you know, just, Hey, someone's going to, you know, get their eye poked out or something. When you, if you play with that stick, every time I see him do something crazy, I'm like, you guys be careful and celebrate. But yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting. Uh, but they have a lot of fun this generation and I'm fine with it. I like it, but got to be careful. So I don't want to say I had a mediocre high school baseball career because that was probably be better. I'd be exaggerating. But I can honestly say the highlight of my high school baseball career is I grounded out in the state playoffs against the Braves pitching coach, Rick Kranitz. How about that? Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. He, he's done a good job. I, absolutely. Um and uh, that—that's uh, so. That where was that was Southern California. You're a Dodgers guy, aren't you? No, that was in Phoenix. That was uh, in Phoenix. Oh, he went okay. to the that's he went right. to the that's same right. high school as your teammate Bob Horner, Apollo High School. Oh, he did. He, he was a big flamethrower right. when I was growing up, and uh, I'm just sitting there minding my own business, and they called my name to go up and pinch hit. And I was just so happy that I made contact. You made contact. Nice going. Nice going. I didn't have to make that long walk back after a strike three. <laughs> oh, I was proud as a peacock, man. I actually put the bat on the ball. It's the same thing as a home run for me. <laughs> I know that feeling. Sometimes contact is a, is a step in the right direction. I want to ask you, what do you think about Mookie Betts, man? A couple of phenomenal defensive plays in right oh, field. Really interesting. Uh, you know, you watch that replay of the one last night. I mean, he makes them all the time. But he is his, uh, um, you know, a lot of us as outfielders, you see a ball like that, you go, oh, it's going to be close, so I'm going to, I'm going to go back to the wall and, 
and uh, and when you go back to the wall and you lose some momentum, you can't get as high. And as soon as Freddie hit that ball, you go back and watch that replay. He jogs. He's timing it um, from from contact. He's timing it and timed his leap and and had that momentum kind of gathered himself instead of jumping from a standstill. He he, uh, he you know it's like when you go to dunk dunk a basketball, you just don't sit there from a standstill and try and dunk it. You get a little run. I mean, I don't know. It's just incredible. I was just like, you got to be kidding me. Does this, you know, here's a good, really good team, and they add Mookie Betts. I mean, you know, uh, to have the optimism I had last night, maybe I should have checked myself because <laughs> this is a very, very good team, really well managed. You know, I think they broke some kind of record or something with two out RBIs. I mean, it's just uh, incredible. And then they add Mookie Betts, great leadoff hitter, and gold glove outfielder. But that play last night, you know, it, it almost gets to the point where it doesn't surprise you. So Dodgers or Rays, who you got? Well, I think it's easier for me as a Braves fan just getting beat by the Dodgers to, to, to like the Rays in this. But uh, uh, I, I do – I don't know. It's – um, I I really like the Rays uh, back end of the bullpen and a couple of their starters of the the back end of their bullpen is unreal and that's what a lot of uh, you know obviously a lot of playoff games will come down to the last three innings and who who you got out of the mound I I, I give the uh, Rays a little bit of advantage there. Um, I, I I don't know. I'm now I'm I'm kind of waffling. I it's incredible that the uh, Dodgers have so many two out RBIs. It's it, you know it's one thing to get guys on. It's another thing to you know not have opportunities to score them, and then you do it with two outs so consistently like they did. Uh, I I'd say uh, I I do like the Rays kind of probably in seven just barely. Yeah, I think I would go with the Rays just barely also, too, because they, uh, as Cash said when he was having that uh, squabble with the Yankees in the regular season, I got a bunch of guys I can bring in who throw 95 and above, and it seems like they do. And then offensively, they just seem to come up with the time. Now, this uh, uh, timely hit, this uh, Rosarina kid has just been yeah. unbelievable. <laughs> and then they got yeah. guys like Zunino, Broussau, uh, Choi, they, they just come up with a big homer exactly when they need to put Margot in there. So I think the combination yeah. of their pitching with timely hitting would favor the Rays a little bit. Yeah, it it would be a little bit. I mean, I agree with you. Um, the uh, and you know you gotta you gotta look at this Rays organization. No one comes to the game. They got a terrible ballpark. They talk about moving them somewhere. They talk about building a new ballpark. I, I mean, it's just incredible that organization always puts a competitive team out there. And uh, I think they have a little bit of the, the proverbial chip and lack of respect uh, uh, motivator going for them. I think, uh, I think they've, you know, they, they even some of the players said, hey, you don't know a lot of our guys, you know, names right now, but, you know, you're going to hear of them in postseason. It's kind of, you know, I think this is a, this is a great matchup. It's kind of like, Hollywood, you know, against a, a bunch of, uh, uh, I don't know what the metaphor would be, against a bunch of B, 
B actors. You got a bunch of guys that have won a lot of Oscars and a lot of really good actors that haven't got their. Uh, I don't know. That metaphor is going too far. I better stop there. But anyway, <laughs> I think it's going to be it's going to be a good series. So they went to 16 teams in the playoffs this year, and everybody gets, you know, with the 60-game season, okay, I see why you do that. That's fine. And they did end up with the team, uh, the Dodgers were six games better than everybody in the National League, and the Rays were four games better than everybody in the American League. They end up with the two best teams. Are you in favor of 16 teams going forward? It creates more revenue, so we know why they do it. Money, money, money. Or keep it to 10. They got a good thing going. Let's go back to the way it was. Well, it'll be interesting to see which things they keep. I think they're going to keep DH, which I, I think it's about time. Although, just as a side note, I love the idea of the modified DH. I don't think MLB's considering it, but I've, I've seen it on social media, where you get to keep your DH until your starting pitcher comes out. I think that would be a, a, a great a great thing, a, a kind of a compromise between the DH and at the end of the game, you're still going to have a lot of strategy, and your bench players and pinch hitters are going to have a much bigger role. Uh, in the American League with the DH all these years, bench players, uh, extra guys on the team who are so critical to your success just don't have much of a role. Um, so I think we're going to have DH. As far as the uh, amount of teams in the playoffs, uh, I'm, I'm fine with it. I think they went to best of three this year for the wild card game. I could be wrong on that. I think they did. No, you're right. Uh, you know, yeah, yeah I, I, I'm fine. I, you know, I, I get it. Um, but you know, you know, a lot of the sports are going that way. Uh, have gone that way. I, I'm fine if they decided that. I don't have any, you know, no, no uh, um, big argument with that. I think uh, the cream does rise to the top in all sports, and and uh, you're going to see that uh, if you're going to add a couple teams, go to best two out of three because that usually will expose the uh, weaker wild card team. I, I haven't liked the the one game playoff with wild card teams. Speaking of cream rising to the cro- top and all that, uh, what do you think is going through Clayton Kershaw's mind now? Um, you know, uh, <laughs> I think. Uh, you know, it's amazing, uh, the, the amazing career that he has had. Uh, you know, I think he just, he, he's probably chomping at the bit to, you know, uh, get uh, opportunity in the World Series to kind of cement his legacy. And uh, uh, I know he's had some postseason uh, uh, challenges, uh, but, uh, you know, I would love to see him uh it, it's tough when you lose a little bit of your stuff and you get a little older and you can't, you know, quite sneak a fastball by him. And, and uh, you know, you can't sneak a fastball by anybody nowadays. So if you lose a couple miles per hour and a little bit there, I think uh, it's always a challenge. It's always, I think Chipper Jones said it best. When you get into the league, it's, it's way too fast uh, as a rookie, the speed of the game, and then you kind of settle in. Um, as a, as a, uh, a veteran, and then you get to the end of your career, and the game speeds back up, and it's a really really hard adjustment. I, I you know I, everybody loves Clayton Kershaw. I'd love to see him go out and uh, you know uh, get some scoreless innings in there for him, and kind of cement what he's done for that organization. 
and maybe pull them after four or five innings since you're pulling other people after one or three until <laughs> they leave them out there in the sixth or seventh till he inevitably gives up two or three runs, and then the storyline is he gagged again. Yeah, yeah. It, uh, it's been tough for him in postseason. Such a great guy, such a great uh, dodger for that organization. I mean, uh, I'd love to see him You know, have uh, some good outings here in the World Series. That'd be amazing. Yeah, how much pressure do you think is on the Dodgers in general because they've been here so many times and keep coming up short? Well, they've been there, and obviously their 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 payroll is is uh, they should be there. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think uh, y- you know uh, the the Braves take a lot of heat with winning all those division championships uh, and only winning one World Series in '95. But the thing about baseball, um, it's a weird. <laughs> It really is a weird game. People don't like to hear about luck and things like that, but I think the perfect example is you can make a good pitch as a pitcher, break the guy's bat, you know, right where you want it. You want it inside on him. You want him, you you want to jam the hitter, and you can do that and give up the game-winning hit. I mean, it's a weird game. You don't have to hit the ball, you know, right on the nose and hit a grand slam home run. Sometimes all you got to do is is Oh, a good example. You know, I, everybody says it's a game of inches. Every every game is. But Nick Marquette just comes up with guys on second and third last night, and he hits a ground ball right at uh, um, uh, whoever he hit, uh, third baseman. I'm drawing Turner. a blank. Yeah, Turner. And, of course, with the base running issues, <laughs> it ends up to be in a double play. Now, that ball's five feet either way. They score two runs. And it ends up being a double play, which, which uh, you know, great play by Turner and questionable base running by the Braves. But it's just a weird game. You know, uh, he, 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 you don't have to – I don't know. I think that's it. You, you just you got to go into the series um, and get a few breaks and, uh, you know, compete. And the Dodgers are, you know, like I say, the, the Braves – take a lot of heat even now but baseball's weird you get in those games and and uh like i say you hate to say luck but sometimes you gotta be a little let's say fortunate and uh so the dodgers i'm sure want they have something to prove they want to you know uh go through the door this year dale i love the fact that you just said grand slam home run because i say that and pk makes fun of me but he didn't make fun of you because you're dale murphy but now I got you on my side. It's redundant, DJ. If it's a grand slam, of course it's a home run. I have heard that so many times. But in my head, from my youth, I've got announcers going, it's a grand slam, home run. Uh, you know, it's it stuck with me. I'm glad it stuck yeah, with you yeah, too, Dale. Yeah. It's okay to be redundant on good stuff. Thank you, Dale. I appreciate that. Take that, PK. I'm chastened. Well, Dale, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks yeah. for joining us, even though it uh, it all fell apart for your Braves. Sorry about that. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. There, they, you know, you hate to say it, uh, but the, there there is a uh, the, the one thing is this team will definitely be back. They they got a great nucleus, and they're fun to watch. Dale Murphy, former Atlanta Brave, joining us right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Coming up next, Utah football coach Kyle Whittingham. His availability as fall camp goes on for the Utes, November 7th. The opener, 
Coming up with the Utes playing Arizona, we'll hear from Kyle. After the scrimmage, he was saying that the offense was in front of the defense. That had to pain him a little bit. On the other hand, he's got another scrimmage to come back and say the defense is in front of the offense. We'll hear from Kyle coming up next. Stay with us. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We're brought to you in part by Syringa Networks. Syringa's home to complete business telecom and IT solutions backed by an industry-leading SLA that guarantees the uptime your business needs. It's effective communications for 21st century Utah. Get started now at syringanetworks.net. All right, coming up, Jay Drew, BYU beat writer for the Deseret News, is going to join us at 9.05. We are waiting... Utah football availability with Kyle Whittingham. How's that going, Yak? How is that progressing? Well, they have five people that uh, talk to the media each day. I think we're through three so far, so we are still Is waiting. Kyle batting fifth? Kyle always bats cleanup. Last? Cleanup would be fourth. Uh, yeah, I guess. Yeah. yeah, whatever. All right. Keep us up to date. All right, we'll hear from Kyle in just a few minutes uh, as he talks after their scrimmage on Saturday, which we were not allowed to see. He talked about it, said the offense was in front of the defense. Did you take much away from that, PK? Uh, The defense in the next scrimmage will be ahead of the offense. (laughs) It'll all even out. (laughs) Uh, In the meantime, we got a lot of reaction on uh, BYU. The Cougars beating Houston Friday night. Question of the day up on our Facebook page. So you got to think BYU is for real at this point, right? And of course, that leads to quite a bit of debate about how good they are and how weak the schedule is. Well, can you have both? Uh, You could, but that doesn't really make your point, which is that you love BYU or you hate BYU. That's really your point. Well, yeah. Well, from a fan perspective, speaking but, of the eighty-nine or whatever people it is who posted here on our Facebook page, I think you have to conclude that they're a good team. But they played a weak schedule through no fault of their own, obviously. So we're not going to crack on their schedule because Tom did a marvelous job just coming up with games to be able to be played. And uh, you know, I like BYU's willingness. That Houston said, "Hey, we need you to change the game and come down to our place," and they said yes. That's all for saying yes. Yeah, I mean, they could have said, no, that's not the way it's supposed to be. But they didn't do that. They went there to get the game in. And that's what matters. These kids want to play football. You know, we had so many people last week, oh, COVID with Nick Saban. And it turns out it was false. <laughs> all those people who just seem like they want the sport to go away for probably for political reasons. Well, that was a gotcha moment on them because uh, Saban was there. It was good to have him out there losing his headset in the second quarter, flipping of course, out. That's Nick Saban, and, man. And then, that's uh, that's and, like Thanksgiving is the third, thir- fourth Thursday in uh, November. We want to see that because that's the way it is. And he did that. But I also thought that he did that halftime interview and they flashed that graphic up and said that uh, this is the third straight time they played Georgia that they trailed. And they rallied to win the other two. And I think sometimes the in-game adjustments can be a little overblown, but uh, they rallied to win again. (laughs) And they totally shut Georgia out in the second half. Yeah, they're really good. There's just no question about that. And it was good to see Nick Saban do what he loves to do at 68 years of age. More power to him as far as I'm concerned. So as far as the Cougars go, I think you have to conclude that they're a good team. That that's the bottom line. What the record would have been? Well, just go ahead and debate guess. that forever. You to, yeah, you have to guess. Right. 
And that's fun to do too. What would it what it would have been? I don't know what it would have been. If you want to, my guess is they would have won some ball games and probably lost one or two because they don't ever seem to get out of September unscathed. It's very difficult. Although it's just it's so freaking unfortunate because of all the years, this probably would have been the best opportunity to have the best record. And I'm hoping Zach Wilson, for competitive sake, comes back. But if he wants to go to the NFL, I say absolutely, son, go get it while you can. I've got no problem with that. But because next year, you know they play uh five power five uh, seven power fives and then uh they got boise and and uh, uh utah state and houston or somebody else so they've, they've got a really good schedule next year too but the fact is this is a quality football team that's what i can conclude can i conclude the record would have been this or that against this prior schedule i don't know Whatever you want to do there, that's up to you. But I think I can conclude in talking with people who believe that this team is good and guys that know more about it than I do that are in the profession and they look at it from an objective standpoint. They may or may not be BYU people. Some are, some aren't. But you can conclude that, and they're pretty good. I think that's the bottom line. They are pretty good. Not only do they have some good players around the field, but when you have a really good quarterback, it makes a massive difference. All 22 positions are not of equal importance. And when you see draft lists now, routinely, he's Zach Wilson's top five. Now, among quarterbacks. Uh, now, where he is, you know, that depends on you know, what each team's looking for and how each evaluator looks at them. So I, I saw him two on uh, second on one. I saw him fifth on another. But it doesn't seem like I see a list of five draft-worthy quarterbacks that he's not in. So that leans towards I expect he'll go. I think another thing is, you know, he sees Bushman stay and then Bushman gets hurt. So the risk of injury, which is looming in everybody's mind anyway, but I think it's way more front and center when it's a teammate of yours uh, who's gone down with a serious injury. But nonetheless, that'll play out how it plays out. And in the meantime, we got five more games to watch. And we're all circling Boise State now. That is a huge game for them because that whole argument about, ah, BYU, yeah, you beat them, but you beat them in a down year, right? We've heard that over and over. Well, Boise State doesn't have down years. Boise State is either good, very good, or great, but they're not down, you know? And they're coming off a 12-2 and year. That's pretty good. So you would expect that they're going to be in that same, similar ballpark, uh, not wins because they're not going to play enough games. But, uh, you know, as far as losing just one or two games. All right, we'll continue with that in a minute. Kyle Winningham sitting down. Let's listen to his weekly availability live on the Zone Sports Network. Followed by Josh Newman, Salt Lake Tribune, Dirk Facer, Deseret News. Go ahead, John. Kyle, uh, just looking at the running backs, you said uh, at the scrimmage that four different running backs stood out, did some good things. Are you looking to get a lead back before the season opener at this point, or are you thinking about maybe doing things by committee, have a couple different guys splitting carries in the backfield? Oh, just have to see which way it goes. I think ideally, if you have a a lead back, that's probably a little better situation, but it doesn't have to be that way. As long as you're getting the production in the run game that you need. And, uh, you know, whether that's by one guy primarily or, or two or three guys contributing, uh, I don't think that's really a, a big concern. So we'll just continue to uh, you know, get them all reps and see uh, see if we can get some separation or see if there is any separation and then, and then uh, go from there. 
Josh Newman, followed by Dirk Facer, Deseret News. Hey, good morning, Kyle. Good morning. Uh, Saturday, you said that you that you would be down to uh, two quarterbacks starting today. Are you able to say who the two quarterbacks are? No, we're not going to make any uh, definitive announcement on that, uh, even with the starter until uh, game week. And so, and how far into game week is uh, you know we'll, we'll talk about that. It may be. Maybe Monday of game week, maybe Wednesday or Thursday. We'll just keep that to ourselves because there's really no reason to tip your hand. None at all. It doesn't doesn't make any sense. doesn't provide us any advantage. And so uh, that's how we'll handle that. <clears throat> Facer, followed by Trevor Allen, KSLsports.com. Hey, Kyle, talking about the defensive line a little bit, uh, Mika Tafua having played with three guys that got drafted by the NFL, what did he gain from the experience of playing with those guys and in turn, what kind of leadership is he bringing to the, the new cast of guys? I know you got some experience on the line, but obviously replacing three NFL guys is a big deal. It is. And he's, uh, he's an NFL guy as well, in my opinion. And so he's, uh, he's just a junior, but uh, he's uh, got what it takes to play at the next level. And uh, I think you know, playing next to those guys last year uh, certainly it took some – you know, he was a guy that didn't get double teamed much and so forth because of the other guys. And so he had a he had a chance to uh, face single blocking most of the season. Uh, he is a great leader for us. He was voted captain, as we mentioned on Saturday. So that's uh, what his peers think of him and, and how much respect he has uh, from them. And he's been a tremendous player since he got here. You know, he was he was uh, a guy that came uh, midseason, I believe, uh, three or four years ago coming off his church mission and uh, he's been a just a, a very good player for us and and right now he's the he is the leader of uh, that defensive line as well as uh, being the team captain. Trevor Allen, KSLsports.com followed by Patrick Kinahan, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Kyle, I know that in, in, in years past and, it, and, and it's always uh, stayed the same, but you've always wanted to have at least, you know, eight to 10 uh, O-linemen game ready by, by the start of the season. How, where are you at right now as far as numbers on guys that are game ready? We have 10 and we feel good about these 10 that uh, are getting all the reps and uh, still not uh, settled on the exact configuration as far as who's going to play exactly what spots. We have some versatility up front with those guys. Uh, we've got a pretty good idea what we're going to do, but uh, nothing is set in stone quite yet. We'll get through this week of practice and then probably start to uh, you know, solidify that as far as you know the first five working with each other and the second five. Right now, the, there is no clear-cut first five, but we feel like we've got 10 guys that are, that are capable of uh, – playing at the Pac-12 level and, and contributing for us. Patrick Kinahan, followed by Josh Furlong, KSL.com. Yeah, Kyle, in choosing a quarterback, how much weight do you put on the scrimmages versus the daily practices? Well, live work always carries more weight with everybody, and that's uh, just how it is. Uh, when bullets are live, there's you get a better and clearer picture of exactly where you are, but uh, everything matters. I'm not trying to discount the the regular day-to-day -day practice uh, uh, situations that aren't live because they, they factor in as well, but uh, it's weighted more heavily with the live work. And, and again, that goes for every position. Josh Furlong followed by Dirk Facer, Deseret News. 
Well, you've you've seemed to talk a lot about Nate Ritchie this year and, and his abilities. And obviously in high school, he was kind of like a Swiss, Ar- Swiss Army knife and, and his ability to do anything, everything. What what makes him so talented this year and, and able for you to kind of uh, see him as a standout in that in that secondary unit? Well, it's a skill set first and foremost. He's uh, he's got size, he's got speed, he's a physical player, uh, he's intelligent, and so just his uh, ability uh, across the board is really what sets him apart. He's he's uh, a guy that has a great football IQ as well, and he's instinctive, and so all the things you look for in a safety. Uh, Nate possesses, and I've, I've compared him to Chase Hansen. I, I still will make that comparison as far as his uh, the type of player that he is and, and the uh, the impact that he can have. Now he's just a true freshman. I don't want to put too much uh, pressure on him right now, but he's he's a guy you're going to see on the field and see quite a bit. Dirk Fazer, followed by Bill Riley, ESPN 700. Coach, uh, I wanted to ask you about Nephi. Is he kept in the same mold as uh, Brian Blacken and Chase Hansen? Uh, Nephi Sewell? Yes, I'm sorry. Uh, he's a little bit different type of a player. He's more like uh, Sunia Tatioli that we had a few years back. Uh, he's not the biggest kid, six foot maybe, 220-something pounds, but, but uh, he is uh, more of a, a linebacker where, where Blecken and well, Blecken, just start with Blecken. He was more of a, a safety-type body. And, and Chase is a much bigger kid. You know, Chase is 6'3 and 230-plus. And, uh, but uh, Nephi has exceptional quickness. That's really the strength of his game is his quickness and his uh, lateral movement. Uh, he's also a physical player. He can hit, hit you and, and uh, deliver a blow in that confined areas, which uh, you like to see in your linebackers. And he's uh, made the transition really very smoothly from safety to linebacker, and that's this is really where he belongs. He's a he's much seems much more comfortable and in his element uh, in the box rather than uh, at the safety position. Bill Riley, followed by Josh Newman, Salt Lake Tribune. Now that you've had a chance to look at the uh, scrimmage tape, Kyle, and gone back over it, uh, could you give us a couple of more thoughts on, on what you saw from Saturday's scrimmage? And again, I'll I'll ask you what I asked you on Saturday. Now with another look at the tape. Are you starting to see the separation you want to see at some key position groups? Well, I'm mostly through the scrimmage. We came in early this morning, and we've been uh, dissecting it this morning. Gave the coaches yesterday off, and so we haven't uh, fully gotten the uh, scrimmage completely evaluated. But uh, we're seeing some good things. Seeing a lot of work that needs to be done. A lot of things that are sloppy right now, which you expect with a lot of uh, inexperienced players that uh, that are getting a lot of reps right now. But uh, we feel like we're, we're on track, and fortunately, we do have, what, almost three weeks left, and, and we're going to need every bit of that to, uh, to get these guys ready. But uh, we are starting to see some separation at, at, at certain positions, and, and uh, there's certain positions that we know exactly what we got, wide receiver, tight end, uh, to name a couple of them. Uh, defensive line is, is, uh, looks like it's going to be a, a strong suit force again. But uh, we got to get the quarterback thing situated we've got to get the secondary situated no no different right now than we were at the onset of camp as far as the priorities and that's still the uh the main focal point right now josh newman followed by trevor allen ksl.com kyle um is is nate richie at the point where he might be pushing vante for some starting looks he's at the point where he is going to be in the mix for one of the two best safeties and again we put 
two best guys out there. It doesn't matter you know, whether they're labeled a strong safety or a free safety. The two best guys will be out there. One will play strong and one will play free. Some years are interchangeable and they can they can uh, interchange responsibilities during the course of the game. But uh, he's he's in the mix right now and it's a fierce battle and going to continue for who's going to be the, uh, the starters. But uh, all three of those guys are, are doing a good job. R.J. Hubert, Ponte, and Nate Ritchie right now. Kamori Latu is also a guy that that uh, has shown up very well. Thanks, Kyle. Okay. Trevor Allen, followed by Mike Sorensen, Deseret News. Kyle, on, on Friday you mentioned that uh, there was even uh, some battles taking place with the uh, kicking game and the punting game. Is there it, uh, has, has anything changed as far as with Jaden and Ben? Uh, right now, Jaden is in a battle with Jordan Noyce uh, for our place kicking spot, and it's neck and neck. And uh, Really, Jordan might have the edge right now. And so that is an ongoing battle and an ongoing competition. Uh, ben Lennon seems to have uh, separated himself at the punting spot, but uh, nothing is completely said and done there yet either. But uh, we feel good about uh, all three of those specialists, and, and uh, Jordan and Jaden are, are both playing very well. It's not uh, trying to figure out who can get it done. We feel they both can get it done. It's just a matter of who is the who's going to be the uh, better alternative. Mike Sorensen, go ahead. Yeah, Coach, uh, you've had a lot of uh, true fr- – you have a lot of true freshmen on the team this year and maybe as many as you've ever had. Um, I know you've done it in the past, but do you have any concern about starting true freshmen? Maybe who are some of the most likely guys to, to start that are true freshmen? Well, there's always concern about start true freshmen. This year we have no choice. We're going to start uh, some true freshmen. I would – I would uh, Bet you know it's not a sure thing, but but uh, Jaron Kump is one of them. He's he's an offensive lineman that has come in and, and done some very good things. Uh, Ty Jordan is going to see a lot of time now. You know whether he starts or not is it remains to be seen. But but he's a guy that's a factor. Our two defensive ends, uh, Van Fillinger and X Carlton, are guys that uh, are in the mix. Uh, in the secondary, uh, Clark Phillips is is right there. Uh, knocking at the door for a starting spot. Nate Richie, we've already talked about. Um, so, yeah, what is that? Uh, half a dozen or more that uh, you're going to see this year. And, and uh, they've got to grow up quick because we are really laden with freshmen and sophomores. And, and next year it's going to be even more so because nobody moves. You know, the, the, the uh, eligibility is frozen. And so when we add another freshman class, it's going to be uh, – very lopsided as far as the freshmen and sophomores being the bulk of the football team, which which bodes well for the future. You know, we just got to find a way to get them up to speed right now. Do we have any other questions for Coach Whittingham? Okay. Thank you very much, Coach. There's Kyle Whittingham, Utah football coach. His availability fall camp. Uh, following during the morning show, so we get it for you live right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. PK, way to do double duty. I love that. Hop off the radio, hop onto the call, back onto the radio. Good work there. If I'm not techno-savvy, I don't know what I am. (laughs) Yach finds that hilarious. (laughs) Given all the technical help he's had to provide over the years, he enjoyed that. Hey, I've upped my game, man. It's game time He has upped his game. I will give him that. <laughs> nice. Way to up your game. 
All right, reaction to Kyle, the youth movement, the question marks he's still got. We will get to that coming up, and then Jay Drew. Deseret News here to talk BYU. He's the beat writer covering the Cougars for the D News. He joins us in about 15 minutes. Stay with us. Nothing else matters, fellas. Every day we go to work. Football is back, and the Zone Sports Network has you covered as the Cougars continue to bulldoze through their schedule and the Utes and Aggies get set for the start of their season. We gotta go faster, faster! Nobody will bring you better coverage of your team than the Zone Sports Network. This is your home of the best college football coverage in Utah. Turn me up all day! 97.5-1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. And now, your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealer's strong play of the weekend. Martin's 23rd pitch, Bellinger, with a fly ball to right field. Cody Bellinger has just given the Dodgers a 4-3 lead. Cody Bellinger's homer, there is the play of the game. Know it today at 4.50, and you can win fabulous prizes. Chevy Strong, play of the game. Bellinger sends the Dodgers back to the World Series for the third time in four years. And then pops his shoulder out celebrating. Did you cringe a little bit when you saw that PK? <laughs> it was clearly I didn't catch hurt. it, but Smoltz was on it, and then they played yeah. it back. Yeah. And, and uh, so I didn't see it at the time in real time. Uh, I thought that, uh, you know, it was just a regular deal that they do. Yeah. We've seen kickers blow out ACLs on that stuff. And uh, it wasn't uh, – who's the guy uh, – what was his name? Uh, Morales played for uh, Salt Lake Bees. Kendry's Morales, is that yeah. it? And di- didn't he blow out his knee jumping on home plate? Jumping on the home plate, After yeah. a, a, a slam or something, a, a, some form of a home run, a walk-off, and how they all gather and yep. kind of create that human tunnel there at home plate. And I think he jumped, and, and he did that, I want to say. I, I think it was Kendry's Morales uh, blew out his knee on that. So, yeah, you got to be careful on that stuff. We just heard from Kyle Whittingham, Utah football coach. Your takeaways from that, uh, certainly the youth of the team, he hammered that pretty good. They are starting true freshmen. He's not crazy about it, but there's too many guys in the mix not to start some of them. And also some of those guys are positions where even if they don't start, they're going to play, so they've still got to be ready. There's going to be a Yeah, this team. is the perfect year for it, man. It's not like this year doesn't count, but uh, this year isn't a true year. And so it's going to be crazy stuff because you've got other programs where guys have opted out, which they wouldn't have. And so you're going to be replaced by players who aren't as good and probably younger players in a lot of situations. And you look at the division, uh, there's a lot of youth in this division. I've talked about it. The Sun Devils only got like seven seniors on their roster. So uh, if some of these juniors come back to be seniors next year, you know, that next year is where they're shooting for, for their big season. So you look at uh, Colorado and Arizona. I mean, they've got guy. Arizona didn't have a lot of talent to begin with, and they've had guys opt out and transfer to other places or, and, and move on from Tucson. So I think this year is the right year to do that, to play these young guys, because it's a crazy season to begin with. So get them that experience that will pay off. As Kyle said, the future does look bright. You would expect that. The, the thing about it is that the thing that I like with Kyle and with the youth, he'll mention it, but other folks in other programs, and maybe over there in the basketball program, you know, you mention it almost as an excuse. 
Well, he was asked directly out. about it. I mean, he was asked, yeah, how many yeah, true yeah. freshmen are you going to play? So, of course, he's going to speak right. about you Mike at Sorensen that point. Mike Sorensen asked him that very question. Uh, so, yeah, you get these guys out in the field. And, and that, that's part of having a program, though. That's just the evolution of college football, obviously. You know, they're going to be starters for, at max, four years. And then they're going to move on. And so you, it's a new crop of guys coming up. And I think they have enough experience, though. I don't think they're – I think this, that's, they'll play more younger guys relative to last year because last year was the exception. They had so many seniors and guys who could have gone to the NFL but decided not to. That was a huge a story that I don't think really got developed that much. Is the, So many of these guys could have gone to the NFL, and they didn't. They came back. Well, they still have experience in terms of guys being out on the field. Not throughout, not – you know, a lot in the defensive backfield, but at linebacker and defensive front and offensive line and at running back and even at, uh, I meant to say receiver, I was going to say receivers, and even at running back. You know, Wilmore and Brunfield got out on the field. They literally got out on the field and played. Brunfield had a big-time fumble at the, near the goal line at the end of the first half going in against SC. Uh, so they've got guys that, a can play, and guys who have played. Not as much as last year, but they may never have as much experience as they had last year. Yeah, I can see that. I think the trend is more towards guys leaving early and the fact that they had, you know, Moss opt back in. Uh, maybe somebody like Anai could have been gone. I mean, probably go down the list and send half of them. And then um, how about this, man? You're getting a grad transfer who's had 33 starts in the SEC <laughs> at quarterback. How many times has that happened? And he's going to be the starting quarterback, isn't he? He got elected captain. The players know what's going on. They see. We don't see practice, but they do. Don't well, if you uh, that. put that argument out there, I mean, how do I – I love to argue, but how do I combat yeah, I that? Yak just goes – you kind of talked to him. Yak goes, what did you say, Yak? Don't read into that. Okay, I won't. Don't, don't do it. <laughs> I'm reading into it. I mean, it's anecdotal evidence, but it's pretty powerful yeah, it's very that powerful. that would be the situation. Yeah, when you throw that out there, those yeah. two combinations. It's like you say the players, want, yeah, the players want to play, yeah, and the players also want to win. And they're not over there looking like, you know, that's the second-best quarterback, but I really think he ought to be our captain. <laughs> they're thinking he's the guy, you know? <laughs> I, I think captains are overrated, actually. I do, too, but I still think that the players – know who, I understand the, your point. who the starting quarterback is. I don't or have any problem with that because yeah. being a captain is not underrated. I'm not saying that, but I've seen plenty of leaders on football teams who weren't voted captain. A guy named Curtis Brown at BYU years ago was not voted captain, but he was the heart and soul of that football team, and he wasn't a captain. You can be not voted or not be voted and still be a leader. That's, that's the point I'm trying to make. DJ and PK, break time when we come back. Cougar football with a beat writer from the Deseret News, Jay Drew. Stay with us.